Welcome to Flicks and Giggles. My name is Amy. And my name is Izzy. And today we're coming to you with Emerald Fennel's new movie, Saltburn. Saltburn. Oh! Okay, before we get into all our reviews and everything, this movie is set in the year 2006, mid smack in the middle of Y2K. Um, and we follow a character named Oliver who's starting at Oxford, and he sort of forms a friendship slash obsession with his classmate Felix who is a British aristocrat and then we see the progression of their friendship and it leads to Oliver spending a summer at Felix's family estate called Saltburn where things get weird 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 very weird (laughs) um yeah what's your rating I give it, like, a 9.5, like, teetering onto, like, a 10. <laughs> I'm, like, tipping. I am going to give it an 8. Okay. A, a solid 8. Okay. <laughs> a strong 8. <laughs> I feel like we're still generous with our pointings. Pointing? Pointings? <laughs> our ratings? It's been a rough day. <laughs> it really has. I think so, but no, I, well, I think this movie just has a lot of layers. It does. has a lot of depth. Mm-hmm. And it deserves... It's interesting, we were looking at other people's reviews as we do we kind of like see what other people are Mm -hmm. saying about it and really when you are looking at like rotten tomato whatever it's either a five star or it is a one star yeah like people are loving this movie or people are hating this. and there's no in between and i i really don't think there can be an in between because it gives you such strong feelings (laughs) right from the go yeah It, it puts you in so many different states where you are you you feel bad for certain characters and then in another scene you're uncomfortable by what they're doing and then you're laughing at them or with them and it just it 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 really guides you through a lot yeah through the movie well and like not to be a pretentious asshole but like you either kind of get it or you don't you know <laughs> you get it or you just don't like, i know i sound like a dick saying that but well it also totally depends if you're into that kind of it's a very specific niche of movie that i think if you're into it you're either into it or you are absolutely not into it yeah. nothing to do with it yeah and we can we can talk you through our takes and you can you can decide if you get it or if you are into it you know yeah yeah okay spoiler um, free what did we think um i loved love 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 loved the cinematography uh-huh. i think taking out everything and we're just talking about visuals it is a beautiful film Mm -hmm. even in scenes where it was really uncomfortable and messed up like the the grave the graveyard the gravesite scene um it was still visually stunning Mm -hmm. and and you couldn't hate it the color grading was beautiful i think wardrobe itself was also so good Mm -hmm. um like venetia's outfits i loved all of the british aristocrats their outfits there was just something particular about it Mm -hmm. but then when you're in college and how everyone dressed like um there's a i don't remember his name but he's the math genius oh yeah i don't i don't know but yeah 
I loved his outfits. Like every time I was like, it's so spot on. Yeah. And it's, it was just so good. And you can tell there was just so much attention to detail. And then you add the layer of like the acting. Everyone committed. Everyone. The committed. Yes. <laughs> Fully. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and then you add the layer of like storytelling, the direction. And I I just think it 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 was surprising because some of it was so outrageous, but also it there wasn't such a thing as like a plot twist. Mm-hmm. Because she sets you up so perfectly that when things click, they all it makes sense and you're like Ah, I get it. Yeah. Well, they absolutely could have done it in a way where it was a plot twist. Mm-hmm. If they didn't set it up the way they did, it could have been a plot twist, but I'm kind of glad they didn't do it that way. Me too. It would have been a completely different movie. Yes. If it was unexpected. Yeah. And yeah. I, I like that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my con is pretty much the same thing as yours, so you want to... Yeah, great. Okay. Um, I huge fan of the cinematography. I love that we weren't on a widescreen. At first, I was kind of like about it, that it wasn't taking up the entire (laughs) screen in the movie theater. But then, and when you read what Emerald said about it, the writer and director, she says it's that you're kind of peeping in, which it totally is. And it fits perfectly with the themes of the movie. And it almost puts you in the position of the main character. Yeah. Like, in a way, you are kind of watching something maybe you shouldn't be. Yeah. And you're witnessing things that you you wouldn't be unless you were at places that you shouldn't be. Right. It almost kind of makes you... A peeping top. <laughs> just as bad as him. Like, yeah. You know? <laughs> and, yeah. And I loved the acting. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as... And we'll get into this, that the women in the movie aren't really... Aren't a main focus. Mm-hmm. We'll get into it. Um, I think, what are their names? Allison and Rosamond, I think, mm-hmm. did a fantastic job. Rosamond? As much as, is it Rosamond? Rosamond Pike. Oh, sorry. Allison and Rosamond. Um, I, you know why I think of that that way? Because of um, the Robbers Bridegroom, the musical. <laughs> Her name is Rosalind. So my brain goes Rosamond. Anyways, um, that's another really messed up um, movie if you want to go watch it (laughs) in a different way. Um, (laughs) But they they both did some, like, fantastic performances. Yes. They were great. I loved both of them. Yeah. Yeah. I was obsessed with Allison's character, Venetia. Mm -hmm. Like, I just think she was so perfectly icy but like personable yeah <laughs> like, and it could have been like it is totally pushing on that like satire of like posh english people like mm-hmm. the elite mm-hmm. british whatever like that would send their kids to oxford with like not a single thought about it right yeah but they could have pushed it to be too satire too making fun mm-hmm. it was it, I don't even want to say it was teetering the line because it wasn't. It was it, it was in a sweet spot. Like, it was yeah. perfect. Yeah, I agree. And um, I also liked that the film was, like, not sexualizing the women. Mm-hmm. But it was very much sexualizing the men. Yeah. And I also think that's, like, a flip on how women are usually 
portrayed and which we'll get a lot more into this Mm -hmm. as well and like this also reminds me of like why i said i love the wardrobe because like they're just emerald herself said she loves using linen in like film because she likes to play with light where she'll frame it a certain way so that when a character is passing by with a linen shirt there is light that's flowing through and you see the outline of their body mm-hmm. and something about Jacob Elordi and a linen shirt is just so British bloody. British Jacob Elordi <laughs> in a linen shirt damn <laughs> <laughs> we were big fans big fans we were talking actually okay let me kind of finish my thing and then we can get into that because I feel like it's going to be a big one okay my con oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what started this we didn't even thing. get there my con is that um I the ending pacing the the pacing of the movie as a whole it didn't have a problem with when we get into the kind of final act the pacing was a little weird. Mm. And I think I would have appreciated the very, very last scene, which we'll get to in the spoiler version, a lot more if the couple scenes before it were slightly more condensed. Mm-hmm. I was not... There was a few at the end that were dragging. But as a whole, it didn't didn't drag for me. No. It was just at the very end, I was like, okay, we can get there. We can get there. We can yeah. get there. I was, that was pretty much my only con as well. But mm-hmm. for me, it didn't really take away from the rest of the movie. Yeah. I, yeah. Which is why I still give it a really high rating. Mm-hmm. Do we have anything else little before we get into it? Oh, the one thing that was weird for me that, that threw me slightly was that we are, it's set 2006. They give you a big banner that says class of 2006 at the top. And we're entering it on Oxford. So, of course, they're going to play God Save the Queen. Wrong. You know what they're singing in the background? God Save the King. Why? <laughs> Why? Explain, <laughs> Emerald Fennel. That's what I want to know. Because it was so subtle. You could barely hear the, like, choir voices singing it. You could tell it was God Save the King. And then... I didn't notice until like a little bit later in the song when they're saying King and I was like, what a, what a choice for 2006. I almost want to know if there was a reason or if it just kind of happened that way. Mm -hmm. But that felt a little strange and I know that's so nitpicky. So specific. But I was like, (laughs) we don't have a King at this point. Rest in peace. Miss Elizabeth Gurley. But... <laughs> but why? I'm like that was, that was a little strange for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is it because we're kind of looking in from like our perspective? Like we have right. a king now. We're looking in on something that happened. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. But yeah, that was just interesting to me. I think I'm like the only person on the place, the face of the planet, that's upset about that. But I'm a little upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I gave it an eight emerald. No. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the whole Sam Levinson? I kind of do. Person? Okay, let's. Okay. So the reason we we got into this, um, this is our second time filming this, but <laughs> because we could not process our words properly. Yeah. But the um, so we were talking about how I I was like never super into Jacob Elordi before. Elordi. Elordi. <laughs> Jacob Elordi. Jacob Elordi before, <laughs> um, because my. Obviously, like many people, my introduction to him was Euphoria. Oh, it wasn't the kissing booth? <laughs> um, actually, no. Never seen it. 
I love myself too much. <laughs> no, okay. Um, <laughs> but I, I tried euphoria. I was like, I, I wanted to be a part of the hype. I could not force myself. And then the idol came out. I literally didn't even try because no. I, I, just from trailers and videos and clips I've seen, I was like, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. My, my little bit of a gripe with Sam Levinson's work is that it's very much just from the perspective of like male fantasy and a lot of the themes to me feel like we're either looking in on like the degradation of women, mm-hmm. weird relationships between minors and adults. I'm just not super into that personally. I don't know about you guys, <laughs> but um, not my thing. <laughs> and just like that, that is whenever there is something sexual in euphoria, it feels like it's just degrading. That's it's, what it feels it's like to me. Degrading and it feels like violence. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not like it's not compelling or sexy in any way. It just mm-hmm. and it, there's so much explicit content about minors. Yeah. You know, like the actors are not, but all the characters are and I just am like, do we it it's sh- it just feels so unnecessary yeah. and it exactly like Sam Levinson's work especially with nudity and sexuality is not it's not human yeah it's not grounded and it just purely feels like male fantasy yeah like blown up like yeah. to the nth degree like it's just yeah it's a little icky to me like that's mm-hmm. what and with this film Saltburn I feel like it was so dark um and perverse Mm -hmm. and it was very compelling and dare I say sexy (laughs) but it wasn't like it still sexualizes its characters like I feel like there's multiple shots like fan service almost Mm -hmm. but it wasn't like it wasn't degrading Mm -hmm. and it wasn't it was like Oh, I don't know how to explain that. There's just such a difference, and it's so much more tasteful, even if what is being shown, shown is, like, is the most perverted thing you've ever seen. Yeah. It's it's crazy how much that can, like, change my view on an actor, because I never understood the hype of Jacob Elordi before, because mm-hmm. I, I put it in this... I put him in this box of like euphoria, which I didn't really love. And now seeing him in this, and especially British, I was like, I get it. I'm I'm here with all of you now. Yeah. I'm, I have entered the room and I'm there. Yeah. He's actually like such a good actor. Like mm-hmm. when you watch him in euphoria, he was so good in playing whatever his character's name is. I literally could not tell you. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> his character in euphoria, he's just so good at being that dick like Mm -hmm. that asshole guy that I almost went into this expecting his character to be similar like kind of like Mm -hmm. you know like not like exactly like him but I I just fully expected to go into it not liking Jacob Elordi and his character we get this kind of sweet side of him yeah like even though there are still things about him Felix that I'm like red flags but you're, you're you're still like He's he's so sweet, and yeah. I did not expect that. Yeah, and I I just feel like this movie 
like, you just have to be such a good actor to be able to do this film. <laughs> Especially Barry Keoghan. Especially the Barry Keoghan. The things this man was doing. The fact that I didn't not believe him for a second. Like, I was right there, and I, we, I left the theater, and I was like, there must be something wrong with that man. Because he was the <laughs> perfect, weird, little freak that you have ever seen. I know. And he was... So believable in it. Like, he was too good. Too good. And I I loved it. I loved it. I remember we left the theater and we were, like, Barry Keoghan committed to this film. Literally. She was like, I'm terrified of him. And I was like, I want to be like him. Amy was like, I want to work with this man. And I was like, I don't want this man in a five-mile radius of me. I want to work with this man because I want to learn everything that I can about him and how he acts and his process and how he does things because it's fascinating. Yeah. It is terrifying how good he is. Yeah. And like I've seen him in other films and everything I've seen him in, he's completely different. Mm. Like he is a character's actor and he's just he's so good. Have I have I mentioned that? <laughs> no, I'll do it one more time. I don't think he's so good. <laughs> I think the we um we kind of discussed this earlier and the um I don't want to like super rag on Euphoria but it's a good comparison because <laughs> of the kind of tropes of like sexuality and and these characters that you see mm-hmm. and I with something like Euphoria it is it it feels grimy with this though it's I I totally think it is a satire on posh English and like all whatever. I think that's the obvious answer is that that's what this is. I think it is also as completely a satire on male sexuality. I think why it is a perfect satire is because it's not just you sitting there and watching this this male sexuality play out on the screen in front of you. It's you sitting there as like a 22-year-old woman going, why do I understand this? Mm-hmm. Why do I get it? Why is this making me feel this way? Like, mm-hmm. it's so disgusting. Yeah. But like, and I'm not going to give anything away, but the scene in the bathtub with Venetia... Mm-hmm. Not the other bathtub scene. There's there's many, actually, weirdly enough. The scene in the bathtub with Venetia, that's as far as I'm going to go right now. Yeah. But we were sitting there, and after we left the movie theater, I turned to Amy, and I was like, I, I get it. it. Like, I understand why that happened. Yeah. And I feel like Saltburn kind of is, like, how people would purely act on, like, their desires and they're just like based on their primal feelings yeah if you were to take like this critical thinking out even though everything about oliver was very meticulous and planned out and it was it was very much critical thought it 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 was also just like purely based on like impulse right and it, it was just so so dark and depraved and yeah and it's this blown up movie version of it right like obviously we have the ending where it's like okay this isn't real life Mm -hmm. but the parts of it that are so like disturbing and disgusting aren't you just kind of get it (laughs) like I don't know and that's gonna sound so strange when you watch this movie and you see (laughs) you're gonna like if you're especially if you're listening to this before you see the movie you're gonna go and watch the movie and be like what is wrong with these people but (laughs) 
<laughs> I think it's just actually such a good take. I just feel like it really flips it on men. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like men were the victims. Yeah. Because of a man and his desires and his pervertedness and his yeah. obsession. And we're so used to seeing that play out on women. And yeah. for the first time, like, I don't want to finish that sentence because that's kind of like spoiler. Yeah, it's okay. Before we watched it, I saw a lot of reviews that said like, oh, there was like, I heard about the gay undertones and this mm -hmm. and this and this. I don't think it was. I don't mm -hmm. think it was because, uh, again, I don't want to spoil it, but it did not feel like that was the message that she was trying to get at at all. No. I don't think that that was what that was. I think the characters themselves, there's a few that are definitely like, Sure. Yeah. yeah. It is not framed around that in any no. way, shape, or form. No. It is truly like what is happening inside of Oliver, Oliver towards everybody else. Yeah. And you're seeing it's like a window into his yeah. desires and perversions. Uh-huh. Really, truly, like you're seeing his like pervertedness come out. There's I want to say there's only one time where it's actually reciprocated, mm -hmm. but not really. <laughs> this is going to sound wild, but there's no, like, sex in this movie. You know what? Like, and it's never shown in that way, mm -hmm. but it the movie itself is very sexual. Yeah. Like, even, <laughs> even our scenes with Venetia, there is no, like, reciprocation happening ever, really. Yeah, sort of. You, do you know what I mean by that? Like, I, I know that's a weird way to kind of frame it, frame it but like, do you understand I what I'm saying? I think so. We can expand on it. Okay. Because we've, this is, we've been talking for a long time and this is actually just still spoiler free. Well, the only thing, okay, wait, the only thing left that we didn't talk about in this version <laughs> yes. is the, the rating. Oh my God. <laughs> so this movie fully is like rated R as it should be, except. Only in America. <laughs> because Canada said, bring your 14-year-old. It is 14A in Canada, which is wild. Fully knowing that everything that we have just talked about, this movie is 14A here. You can take your 14-year-old to go watch this movie. And we haven't even gotten into it. Like, you really shouldn't. You can only imagine what we're about to talk about. Actually, no, you can't. <laughs> you actually have no idea. If you haven't seen this movie, you have no idea. But <sighs> we we were we looked it up and people were saying, like, it's because Canada is kind of more lenient on language and sex. But I... But we're also... This was our assumption. Like, yeah. the states, whenever I think of it, I think of it as, like, a church state. Right. Like, I mean, there's definitely more religion... In numbers. And religious influence. Yeah. Like, in every sort of public way. Yeah. But like we were saying, like, I... And I can understand if, if we were just talking about, like, language and, like, sexual content in general. But I just feel like the nature of the, like, sexual content that's happening in this film isn't just, like your 14-year-old is going to know what sex is. It's like... <laughs> it is like if you if you went into the depths of, like, the most perverted man that you can think of, if you went into the depths of his brain and pulled out, like, something that should never be seen by the light of day and then put it into a movie, 
do you want your 14 year old to see that? No, it's not. That's why I say it's not sex. It's not. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not. It's something else. (laughs) It's it's anything but. (laughs) Yeah, so um, if Um, anyone sees this and is planning on bringing their like 14, 15, 16 year old to this movie, please, dear God, don't do it. Do not. Don't do it. Don't. Just. It should be R. It should be R in Canada, too. It absolutely should be. Yeah. Yeah. This movie should be 18 plus. I, truly, yeah. I believe that. Yeah. I left and I was like, NC-17. Literally. <laughs> I'm 22 and I'm, I'm too young. No, I'm kidding. Um, so that has been our spoiler free. From this point on, you have been warned. It is dun, full dun, of dun, spoilers. Dun, dun, dun. I We are going to talk about everything. We're not holding back. <laughs> it's about to get nasty, bitch. <laughs> so from the beginning, <clears throat> you meet Oliver. Yeah. And he's awkward, and he's he's a little weird, like, very outsider vibes. Mm-hmm. And he meets his friend, the math genius, who I still don't know his name. What's your name, sir? Michael? Huh? Is it Michael? It's Michael. How did you know? I don't know. It just came to me. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, in this film... You meet Michael, who is the first friend that Oliver makes, played by Ewan. Ewan Mitchell. <laughs> who, if you watch Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon specifically, he played Aemon Targaryen. Uh-huh. And I was like, this man looks so familiar. I was like, he kind of looks like a Targaryen boy. And then I was like, can't be, because it's so different. Like, it's <laughs> so different. Like, if you know both, if you know Aemon and you've watched this, you know that those are incredibly, incredibly different characters. Acting. So good. <laughs> I loved it. I'm just, I wasn't expecting that. There was not a lot of him in this movie, but I loved every second that he was on screen. And then he meets Oliver. Nope. Felix. Felix. What do you say? <laughs> what did I say? You said he meets Oliver. <laughs> Try again. We didn't talk about this, but I loved the cut scenes we got a lot of different just kind of cut flash scenes of Mm -hmm. they weren't scenes that ever actually happened in the movie and that's why I think I loved it whenever we got a little bit of narration from Oliver Mm -hmm. and it would kind of flash these scenes of Felix Jacob Elordi Mm -hmm. and it would be him kind of like in the grass like the wind is blowing and he's like he's like reading a book he's like he's kind of has this like look into the camera that almost feels like it's um the way it made me feel was that it was somebody somebody like kind of recording yeah him on like a little camera and he's kind of like that's what it felt like to it, me it feels like somebody who has a big crush on him would imagine him. It's like how they see him in their eyes. Yeah, 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 like a a fantasy. Like a fantasy. That's exactly what it was, yeah. Right? And it's like, the whole movie is like narrated by Oliver. We see it from his point of view, so... You're totally right. It's it's n- it's not something to happen because it's in his brain. I didn't even think about it that way. It's but like that's, yeah, it's that's like totally what it is. Glimpse into how he sees Oliver, Felix. Fe- oh, Felix! I can't <laughs> Oh my god! For some reason, Oliver makes sense. Like whenever I think of Oliver, I think of Jacob Elordi, no. and that's not it. But I loved those. But I thought they were ca- such a good. Yeah. Yeah, I loved them. Yeah. I was just gonna say, like, or it could work, because, you know, like, when 
people say this like jokingly like oh do I want to be her or do I want to be with her like haha I feel like that's what Oliver's relationship with Felix was yeah yeah at the beginning yes to an extreme (laughs) to an extreme yeah and so the first time that there's multiple shots where Oliver's character is in the fore in the front and then in the background you see Felix and his friends and you you see them in the same frame but they're never interacting like it it feels very completely separate I love those scenes Mm -hmm. because it just really sets it up to when they like slowly start sharing the frame and they're like you know Mm -hmm. this is this cinematography is like the closest I want to I'm going to say this but they're completely different Okay. But in my brain, this makes sense. <laughs> okay. This is like the closest thing to like a a messed up Wes Anderson like if if that's why I'm saying it's completely different because it is. It's the But symmetry. do you understand? Yeah, it's it totally is. It's the symmetry it's of framing the, and Yeah. Wes Anderson has this, like, very well-known pastel, symmetrical kind of, like, frames where you're seeing landscapes. Yes. This is, like, a zoomed-in version. Yeah. Like, on people. Less on the landscape, more on the people. Except there's still that symmetry. Mm -hmm. Except this feels almost gothic to me, like, a little bit. And I think it has to do with the structures of, like, Oxford and the backgrounds and, like the estates like something about it feels like modern gothic and i love it me too i love a little gothic yeah right it's like gothic wes anderson (laughs) in the 2000s in the 2000s people are gonna comment and be like don't talk about wes anderson (laughs) there's nothing like that but like if you understand the vibe i'm talking about you understand yeah (laughs) if you get it you get it if you get it you get it. <laughs> um, and so the first time that Oliver and Felix really interacts is the bike scene. Mm-hmm. The, the way they set him up to be kind of somebody who um, would get with a girl and then, like, not talk to her. I, That's what I was trying to get to. I loved it because... In my brain, I was like, okay, the predictable route is that Felix is a jerk. Yeah. Right? And that's where I thought we were going. Me too. But we weren't going there. And I love that we didn't go there because it kind of turned those scenes where he was, like, flaking on these girls and whatever into... I'm going to say this so many times in this, but it's just so human. human. Yeah. Like, and the fact that that... It was a flaw, but it wasn't, like, we had to focus on that and be like, what a dick. Yeah. He was just... It was just a trait of his that really wasn't that bad when you think about it, and it and made him so much more well-rounded. It's just very, like, college man. Yeah. Yeah, you know? And, like, yeah, like, being flaked on and being, like, kind of disregarded in those ways is not nice for people who feels it, but it's also something, especially with modern dating, it just happens. It's, like, ingrained in it. Mm-hmm. And like starting with those scenes we were kind of expected to be like oh he's so nonchalant with people he disregards Mm -hmm. them and that's exactly why I was almost like I feel like this is just gonna be another like Nate I think that's his name you're so right it's Nate Ah! I was like this is gonna be just like a toned down version of Nate yeah and it wasn't yeah because the first scene where I was like oh that's really sweet yeah was not even at the bar yet. Mm. Not that it was sweet. I was like, that's just so, like, 
he's just so likable and very charismatic. It's the first scene when it's at the bike thing and Oliver is like, oh, like, you can take my bike and that whole thing. And then he goes, Oliver, I love you, I love you, I love you. And then he gives, like, his helmet a kiss. And I was just like, that's just a very, like, charismatic, like, likable person. Yeah. And I was like, I can see the allure of mm-hmm. Felix to all these other people. Well, and then we have Farley... Um, and Venetia, who kind of tell Oliver, like, oh, Felix always brings a boy over. Oh, Felix always has somebody with him. Yeah. But then you start to understand that that is, well, Farley has our ulterior motives. Yes. We understand that later. But also, this is the same reason why I, I don't think that Felix was gay at all. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was. Because Farley kind of sets that up to be like, oh, he's always bringing a boy back. But then we get Felix's perspective on his last friend who betrayed him. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that that's why we weren't getting that kind of like loviness towards Oliver from Felix because it wasn't like that. Fe- Oliver was a friend to Felix. Like Felix was yes. trying to replace this old friend yeah. that would come to Saltburn with him. Yeah. It was truly like love between two boys in a platonic way from Felix's point of view. It's like, you know when it's like those like best friendships between girls that are like super intense yeah. and very close, but then one of them is a little bit fruity. <laughs> and that's like Oliver, but he took it really far. Yeah. That it, it went so far that it went backwards. And I feel like Felix's character is just affectionate. Mm-hmm. And we see little moments where, like, he had tension with everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody. Yeah. And I think that sort of the lovey-doveyness was only ever coming from Oliver towards Felix. It wasn't ever really reciprocated in a way. Moving on to the second scene where I was like, I actually really like Felix was at the bar mm-hmm. when everyone... There was this thing that happened where Oliver's character had to buy a shot for everyone at the table and he didn't have enough money and he was, like, trying to talk to the bartender and be like, please let me do this. And Felix comes up and he goes, hey, you dropped this by your foot. I just found it. I almost begged it, but figured I should do the right thing. And Oliver was like, oh, like, thank you. Because obviously Felix is paying for this. And Felix is like, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just, it it shows a little glimpse into who he is because he was also telling Farley to like back off and like lay off. And it's interesting when you get to the end and you understand that this was all planned by Oliver, Mm -hmm. that he was, that Oliver understood from the beginning who Felix was. Yeah. Before we did. Yes. Because he's obviously taking advantage of these likable traits that Felix has that we didn't even understand were there yet. And it felt like Felix's character truly was a victim Mm -hmm. because not only was he, like, manipulated by this person that he thought was his, like, friend that he was getting really close to, he was also just violated. Yeah. Dead or alive. Mm Mm-hmm. In so many ways in that he didn't even know. That's why people watching our spoiler, our unspoiler review are going to be like, what's wrong with you? Because the things that 
Oliver did were so deplorable. So like vile. So disgusting. Like with Felix's grave. Yeah. And I'm not here sitting here being like, this is okay. And on top of that, the the, just let's just talk about okay we're like jumping into like more towards the That's whatever <laughs> but let's ju- can we just talk about how messed up it is that not only does felix kills nope nope not, o- <laughs> not only does oliver you're really kill- struggling hey i am i keep uh. mixing them up not only does oliver kill felix mm-hmm. himself he kills him and then he grieves him on top of his grave and then desecrate the grave by having sex with the... The dirt. The dirt. Yeah, he did do that. He did do that. Uh, he, did, no, he, did, it, he did do that. <laughs> it started with him lying on top of this freshly buried grave site. Yeah. Where F- Felix is buried under. He's on top of it, crying, fully crying grieving it and we're like oh like this sucks because at this point we don't we haven't seen that he killed him i'm about to totally disagree with you in a second but keep going (laughs) um but then you know it, it was really not only do we see him like do it it's like him moving his hand down and like mm-hmm. positioning it it was so explicit yeah Ugh. Ugh. Well, t- to what you were saying about, like, we didn't know yet that he killed him mm-hmm. and all of this. And I, I think I saw, like, we were talking about how there's, like, either five-star reviews or one-star reviews. Mm-hmm. I saw one where somebody was talking about how, like, they were just so appalled by Oliver doing that to his grave. But the reason I'm kind of, like, mm, on that is because it was so entirely expected to me. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that was not shock at all. That was not shock value. It was disgusting. Like, and I had a, a reaction to where, where I was like, I can't believe anyone would actually even do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's one of those things where you're like, people in real life wouldn't do that, right? Hopefully Right? Not. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> Answer me now, right? No. But it wasn't shocking in the movie, because I feel like by then we kind of understand Oliver's pathology. Yeah. And and maybe it's because I'm someone who grew up in, like, you know, we, we, we like, grew up in a time where it's, like, you're 12 and you're, you have Omegle, you have Tumblr, you have all this stuff. It's, like, I feel like from a very young age I've understood, like, how depraved male sexuality can get can be right yeah maybe maybe like you know you know how people always say like oh gen z's so um desensitized yeah that i'm like it makes sense that's why i think it's such a good satire on that because it's like this isn't shocking to me mm-hmm. i think it's such a good commentary on commentary commentary <laughs> Good job. It came to you. It flowed out of you. I think it's such a good commentary on that because it's like something that I feel like people aren't going into, but it's so prevalent. Mm -hmm. Like there are so many things in this world that I feel like the root of is, is male, is male sexuality. Yeah. 
to like to and i'm not saying it's bad at all like i'm not saying that's a bad thing to what i'm saying is like there's male sexuality a, to that degree to an ex there's a well there's always an extreme to everything right yes and yes, we're yes. talking about when we say it in a bad way we're talking about the extreme end of the male sexuality right not to say that male sexuality no, in gen- no, no, no. general is bad <laughs> i think there's just an extreme that it and, can get to that female sexuality does not and this is where Oliver's everything that we're seeing and witnessing Oliver through is the very, very extreme end of this perverse mm-hmm. sexuality of his. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's, I think that's why I'm like, it was disgusting, but it was so. I almost just want to, I just want to be like, Emerald, thank you for like telling the story because I, I've never seen any, anyone like touch on this on that topic in that way yeah because it's always from the point of view of it's like from a man yeah it always is it is and it's always on women exactly and (laughs) this movie flips it that this is what we were talking about earlier that the victims the true victims in this movie that were um at the hands of Oliver's pervertedness was Felix and also and Farley. Farley. And like there was a whole scene with Venetia mm-hmm. and Oliver where oh, do we even want to get into it? We don't have to. <sighs> it, it, it's it, fine. You, yeah. don't, you don't have to. You don't have to. Okay. <laughs> and that whole scene, it was still consensual. It was, yeah. She 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 was into that and she wanted more of it because she was back the next day. Well, you know? and she was pining from it from the beginning. Like, the first yeah. time we see Venetia, she is, like... She's, like, lounging everywhere. And she's trying to get with him. Yeah, and Elspeth even said, Venetia somewhere lounging, waiting for you. And I... All of the scenes that... And not to say that this isn't, like, a violation. Like, if this were to happen in real life, like, it's a total violation of the other person. 100%. But the scenes that were really, really dark and really, really perverted and mm-hmm. disgusting were the bathtub scene, the first one, and the grave scene. And the thing that yeah. I think is so different about them is nobody else was there. He was doing it by himself, to himself, for himself. Right. Like, yes, both of those scenes were a violation of Felix. Very both much. Of them. Yeah. But the thing that makes it different is that Felix doesn't know. Yeah. That's what that's what makes it so Ugh. something that you've never seen before because all of these things that we see over and over and over again is it's being it's a woman being victimized usually mm-hmm. or like in the case of euphoria it's a child mm-hmm. or like a teenager you know male or female mm-hmm. but this one is it's it's like you don't actually see that person being victimized no that person has no idea that they are it's it's that person alone truly truly living out fully what they want to do and that's and this is where that whole peeping thing comes back because mm-hmm. we're really we're really really seeing somebody at their primal perversion doing their thing and we're right. witnessing it and it's like i shouldn't be i shouldn't be here but i am that's why when they were like jacob elordi and barry keoghan were doing interviews and they were saying like we want people to leave this theater and be disturbed but also kind of turned on and kind of like 
disgusted, but kind of this and, you know, talking about this. And I think Barry Keoghan was like, I want people to get into the car with their friends and say, what the fuck did I just want? No, he said, get into the car with their friends and never talk to their (laughs) friends ever again. Like, I don't, I want you to go. He was like, don't go to this movie with your best friend because you're never going to talk to them again after. That was funny. Yeah. But I think that's the reason is it's like, we're not sitting there watching like a, a woman be brutalized. Yeah. Again and again. I just, I understand at first when we left the theater, I didn't understand why they said that because at first I was kind of like, wow, that was nasty, mm-hmm. you know? Like, and that was my first thought. And then I kind of thought about it and I was like, I understand why it could be taken that way mm-hmm. in a in a way that you almost get it. This is wild. Yeah. I can't believe these words are coming out. And of my it's mouth. not even that we're defending Oliver. We're not. No, no, no. In any way. But it's he was just like nasty. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, that's why I say that this is such that's why I give this movie like 9.5. I might even teeter to 10. Because <laughs> I just think there's so many. You can keep getting just deeper and deeper and deeper mm. into it. Um, and there's so many layers that you can peel away or you don't have to, you can just stay at the top and it still doesn't change the fact that this movie makes you just, you just have to sit with it Mm -hmm. and be like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. I think for me, the, the baseline is that it's a perspective that I've never seen before. Absolutely. And I something that I so desperately, like I didn't, it's one of those things that's like, I didn't know I needed it until I I saw it. Yeah. It's like a perspective on something that I didn't know I needed. Mm -hmm. And then I saw it and I was like, wow, this was so needed. Yeah. You know why I think we see Felix in that way is going back to those like glimpses glimpses is because we're, we are seeing Felix through Oliver's eyes, but not at the point in time that we are watching it. We are seeing Felix through Oliver's eyes after death. So he is going back and He's not in that... Oliver is not, at that moment, in that state of, like... He's not in that state of, like, disgusting perverseness. He's reminiscing about what he remembers about Felix. So we're not seeing Felix in this, like, disgusting sexual way that he probably was at that moment. Mm -hmm. We're seeing this reminiscent, nostalgic, beautiful sense of feelings. Like, where he has taken himself out of the equation. Exactly. He's just... He's just... Oh my god, yeah, you're right. If we were seeing it from the perspective of Oliver in 2006, At it would have been so... It probably would have been degrading, yeah. honestly. It yeah. probably would have been. But we're not. We're seeing the perspective of Felix from future Oliver, who is thinking about him in the past. And has removed. I just have to bring up the friendship between Elspeth and her friend. Pamela. Pamela, because... That was so painfully funny to me. <laughs> like, were they friends though? I think I think they were friends in the way where people are just friends because they've been in each other's lives for a long time. Yeah. And I think their friendship is one of those in a way where Pamela is obviously very much relying mm-hmm. on all the privileges of Elspeth, and Elspeth is just like, she's entertaining. 
Yeah. Like, she's she's chaos. She lives this, like, such quaint little life. Yeah. And, like, everything Elspeth says that is meant to be a compliment is still a slap in the face. She had some perfect, like, one-liners. Like, yeah. Well, after Pamela dies, <laughs> and she literally goes, she'd do anything for attention. I died <laughs> laughing. She delivered them so well. Yeah. Rosamund Pike delivered them so well. This was a scene when she was talking about how she was moving into, like, a studio apartment, and she was like, oh my gosh, I did that. Like, it's just so much easier to clean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, I loved her character because she was, like, a walking bitch, but... <laughs> It was, like, one of those where you were, like, she's so bitchy and cold-hearted, and that's why I want to be friends with her. But, like, lovable. She was lovable. Yeah. She was so lovable. People are still benefiting from her and her privileges. The only, I guess, the consequence of getting those privileges is her tongue. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so funny. You know what scene I want to talk about that I loved, but I didn't love it first? Yeah. Is right after Felix dies and they all go eat lunch because at first I was like what a wild thing to do yeah but then I was like no this makes so much sense yeah because I feel like in movies usually someone will die and then we get a cut scene to the funeral and then we get a cut scene to what happens and they're grieving but when you actually think about it you don't know what to do with yourself. Well, no, like when you when your son dies in the maze outside and the police in the corners are dealing with it and you have nothing to do, you, you can't just stand there and be in their way. What are you going to do? You're going to go try and fucking eat lunch. You're going to try. It's like you're trying to have this some semblance of a normal life, like normalcy in your life, but you obviously can't do it because there's this big looming grief that is there but it's not like it's not grief yet you you haven't processed it you don't know how to handle it so you're just like i have to get ready for lunch at first i was like this is wild and this is weird and then i was like no because this is so real like what human (laughs) so human (laughs) like it's just i feel like you were just seeing people in the rawest of forms yeah in this movie and that's what i loved about it and we have that moment where um, and it's it's comedy. So, of course, we have the moment where, um, oh, my God, Venetia is pouring the entire bottle of wine all over the table because she's just so, like, entranced in what the fuck just happened. Mm-hmm. And Farley tries to excuse himself. And the dad just says, sit down and finish your lunch. And he's like, my lunch was cold, like, two hours ago. Like, we've been sitting here. But it's just so, like, I, I just loved it. It's, like, it's the same thing that I have been saying this whole time. It's, like, one, something I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. We we never get scenes of, like, this person just died two seconds ago, and we just have to pretend, like, it's, like, we just have to still live and go on with our lives. Like, life doesn't stop. No. You still have to eat lunch. It's the same scene, but the part that really, like, put everything into perspective was when you hear the coroners like wheeling Felix out (laughs) and everything it's so like sickly quiet and everyone is like realizing what is happening but they're trying so hard to like not even ignore it they're just trying to be normal but you can't because you know that your son's body is being wheeled out by coroners and you just hear this creaking wheel where it goes (laughs) and Farley's losing it and Venetia's just like so gone like she's just not even on this planet anymore and then the parents are both just like 
Yeah. And then you just have Oliver go, this is really nice. <laughs> this is really well done. Yeah. And Oliver's being a freak. Like yeah. he is like, and that truly was one of the moments where you see Oliver for who he really is. Yes. But like everyone else is having this moment where they are just in total like ruin. Yeah. And Oliver's just like, he's, he's processed it. He, yeah, well, he processed it the moment he slashed his tire. Like, this was yeah. the whole plan, Everything, yeah. He's ready for it. He's prepared. Yeah. I think, honest to God, I think that's that was maybe my favorite scene in the entire movie. I think so, too. I, I think it. it just had... I, I think it really perfectly puts the movie in a nutshell. Yeah. Where not only is it dark and fucked up... It's also funny. So and, funny. And it's... So real. So real and so painful and sad, but you can't stop laughing. And it's mm-hmm. it's just so... Like, that scene just makes you feel so many things. And that's all I can say about this movie is that it takes you on a fucking emotional journey. It does. Truly. Yeah. And then you have the butler who is like, he comes in and he's like, uh, the coroner will be wheeling him past the window. So I'm just going to close the blinds. (laughs) The the line when he's like, the court, the police keeps getting lost in the maze. Can we get someone to help them? And it, it's the fact that he, they live in this, like, posh world where he has to ask permission for everything, but then you have somebody who is sitting at this table trying to eat lunch, and he's asking, the police are getting lost, can I let the gardeners, to, like, take them through? And he's like, do whatever you want. It's, like, why are you asking me this? The fact that they have a maze in this front <laughs> yard. Yeah. And then the, do you have anything to say about the very last scene? <laughs> the very last scene, it was swinging everywhere. It is like, it was a character of its own. It's Oliver. He finally has the entire mansion to himself. He has murdered the entire family. Yes. And he is completely naked and he's dancing to murder on the dance floor, which by the way, perfect song choice. Either. Right. And... He is completely naked, and you get a full frontal. Yeah, for, like, three minutes straight. Like yes. Yeah. Because he's, like, dancing, and you just follow him. Yeah. It was just, like, unrestrained, uninhibited joy that he was experiencing. Which is just wild. And, like, freedom. Yeah. That... When you take that and parallel it to Oliver's parents and their house. When we first meet Oliver's parents and you realize that Oliver's not poor, he has a loving family, he has siblings, his father's not dead, his mother's not an alcoholic. They made a meal for them, they've been waiting for him, they're doing all these things. They were so relieved to see Oliver. And then you, you see him dancing around this mansion, naked, in like total... Just, like, freedom and joy. Yeah, and it's, like, you see him, and it's, like, he's experiencing that for the first time. And it is absolutely... Well, I think it just makes it so much worse. It's, like, mm-hmm. 
you could have that if if we had taken out the element of Oliver's family, that scene I don't think would have been as impactful because mm-hmm. you don't see the comparison of like he should have been happy. Yes. Like this man had no reason to, to be, be unhappy. To be the way that he was. Other than the fact that he is like just totally and completely mentally depraved. Like Yes. Yeah, exactly. Those those two scenes contrasting mm-hmm. really make that last scene so much more impactful to me. Mm-hmm. Like, everything in Oliver's life that was holding him in any way was, like, created by himself. Totally. And he was, like, there was a scene where, okay, not even that yet, but the scene where Oliver and Felix are at his house and the parents are there and we're meeting them for the first time. Felix is acting in that scene. Mm-hmm. So funny. I loved it. You know when your world, whole world is falling apart and you can't believe what's happening and you're angry and you're confused and you're heartbroken but you just have to be like having the best time of your life and you're overcompensating for all of it. He was so perfect in that. That also shows Again, like, his, the fact that Felix was such a good person, yeah. because he's been totally lied to. He, everything that he believed about Oliver has just fallen apart in two seconds, yeah. and but, he still is like, you know what, we'll stay for lunch. Yeah, he's not about to ruin this experience for Oliver's parents. If there was, like, a physical embodiment of positive masculinity and and <laughs> toxic masculinity it is felix and oliver yeah. truly truly <laughs> yeah i just wish that's my only con is that i wish we had gotten to i wish they had kind of condensed some of the I don't know exactly which scenes I would even want, but some of the scenes before... that's where I was struggling with, because I know what you mean when you said, like, the end was, like, a little bit, a little bit draggy. But I was, like, I felt like all the scenes fit. That's why I'm saying, like, I don't know what exactly I would even want to be different, Mm -hmm. but something about it slowed the pace for me, which I think made that last scene less enjoyable. Mm Mm-hmm. That's fair. And that's all. That's my only thing that I wish, which is pretty good to only have one thing that I, like, would change about this movie. I think there's also such a a thing in my brain where I'm like, what does it take for somebody to do a scene like the very last scene where you were completely naked, flinging things around, (laughs) dancing around for three minutes straight, and knowing that that is going to be seen by millions of people... Not only that, when you're filming it, it is probably in front of a crew of, like, a hundred people. Right. With lights and cameras following you. There's just such, like, a confidence and also commitment that, and, like, just a removal of, like, just society. (laughs) Right. Like, you have to completely remove any thought about people watching this and judging it and any social barrier whatever to come and and that's that's wild and that's why i would love to work with him because i want to learn everything that he he has to offer yeah (laughs) like because like not saying that that kind of character and full frontal is the type of work i want to put out yeah but the quality of work that these 
this film has in acting, directing, in every aspect is what I want to be a part of. Yeah. Well, yeah, it totally... Redeemed is not the right word because I never had any ill feeling towards him, but it totally, like... I think just shed a new light on Jacob Elordi for me. Yeah. 100%. Yes. I, it's not that I had any feelings about him at all. It's that I had absolutely none from his other work. I just didn't really, like, care for it, I guess. Yeah. This movie also just shows his range. Yeah. I also haven't seen Priscilla. Yes. Which yeah. I want to because a lot of people... Like, we're saying that when Priscilla herself saw it, she was so surprised by his accent mm. in the film. Like, his, like, regular, like, at-home Elvis Presley accent because she said it was so much like him. Mm. And then, like, Austin Butler did his whole thing where he was... <laughs> where he had the accent for, like, three years and didn't talk to his family for, like, two because he was Elvis, you know? And it was just so, like, so performance yeah you know it was like somebody performing Elvis mm -hmm. and like you know I've just heard so such good things about Jacob Elordi's acting yeah this one really did it for me yeah I'm a fan yeah that <laughs> I, I was like surprised yeah anything else no I don't think so you you should definitely go watch it just don't bring your 15 year old don't bring your 15 Please. year old don't bring your best friend or do I mean we're still friends so yeah are we though <laughs> Has your rating changed? Because I think mine did. I'm gonna give it a 10. I'm gonna give it a 9. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you. Um, you can find our podcast on YouTube, Flicks and Giggles Podcast, if you want to watch our beautiful faces. If you want to listen to us on the go, you can find us on any streaming platform, Spotify, Apple Music, all the all the ones. You know them all. Um, Wherever you listen to at Flicks and Giggles Podcast. Yes. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok. And that's about it. <laughs> that's about it. Have Flicks and Giggles podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on this crazy, weird, freaky, wild ride with us. Yeah, in this episode. Mom, I'm sorry. I'm not telling my mom and dad about this episode. <laughs> I'm gonna say we skipped it. <laughs> so if you are somehow watching it, how could you? I told you we didn't have an episode. <laughs> Oh my God. Um, I'm sorry. Thank you. See, See you, you next Tuesday. Tuesday.